Hi, and welcome to Shattering BS Beliefs. I'm your host, Amy Turner, the No BS Sweetheart. And in this show, what we're going to do is we are going to shatter those BS beliefs that were never yours. Did you know that babies are born with only two fears? The fear of falling and the fear of loud noises. So any of these BS beliefs that you have about yourself were completely created by you and you can uncreate them. So let's do it. Oh, and if you're lucky, sometimes I have a special co-host and he can be found in the background scratching, sniffing, whining, and if you're lucky, even barking. So see if you can hear him. Stay tuned. Your relationship with your father determines whether you can be yourself and express your heart, or whether you must achieve, perform, charm, seduce, compete, please, demand, negate, or destroy to feel recognized. So ask yourself, are you comfortable being yourself and expressing your feelings, or are you acting out? to feel recognized. Hi everyone, my name is Amy Turner. Welcome to another episode of Shattering BS Beliefs. Today, we are going to talk about father, about dad. I'm gonna say interchangeably, father and dad, because that's just what I do. So let's get started. So last episode, I talked about mother wounds. I talked about how our mother could have triggered us and could have hurt us. Now, today, we're talking about father. We're talking about dad. And so I want you to start thinking about your relationship with your dad when you were growing up. And I want you to think, was he loving? Was he attentive? Was he present? Was he playful? Do you even know your dad? Some of us didn't even get a chance to even get to know our dad. So just think about those questions. And what I'm going to share with you is today, we're going to talk about your relationship with your dad growing up. And I'm going to discuss what the father's role is and the healthy father traits the three categories. So I put kind of wounded fathers in three categories. So I'm going to share those with you. And I call it the three categories of wounded fathers, because if your father wounded you, then he was wounded himself because hurt people hurt people. So these are the three different categories. I kind of looked at all the different things that we could have been hurt by our dad. And I was able to kind of put them into three different categories. And we're going to talk about sabotage, how this looks in your life when you're sabotaging, which normally shows up, which the two main categories are, are relationships and success. And then I'm going to give you six tips on how to stop sabotaging. So as you're thinking about your relationship with your dad, I just want to give this big disclaimer. I already gave it. I give it all the time when I do talks like this. And I gave it last episode with mother's wounds where your dad is doing the best he can with the information he has. And so we're not here to necessarily blame him because like I said, hurt people hurt people. But what we are doing is I'm helping you understand that, oh, okay, because this happened to me or because maybe my dad treated me like this, this is why I'm sabotaging. And so you can have the awareness because we can't change anything in our lives until we're aware of what's going on, and then we can change it. So that's just a little disclaimer that I want to share, because this is for you. This is for you to see what BS beliefs do you have that you can shatter, and hopefully you'll get to be able to shatter some watching this live. So last episode, I talked about how our mother's job is more kind of like the inner work. Our mother's job is to nurture us and to teach us how to love ourselves. Our father's job is to teach us how to relate with others. And so mother's job is more inner. Father's job is more external and how we how we communicate and how we connect with other people. And that comes from when we, we're in our mom's womb. So we're already connected. 
And so our father is someone that and it, Robert Frost says it best. He says, you don't have to deserve your mother's love. You have to deserve your father's. He's more particular. And that comes from the fact that we were born in our mom's womb. We're already connected, but with our dad, it's almost like how he says you have to deserve his love. And some of us didn't get that. Some of us, you know, we had a father that was really excited to have kids. And then as soon as our mom had a kid, he didn't know what to do and he wasn't around. And so that's where it's like, you don't have to deserve mother's love, but you do have to deserve father's. And a little bit of history. So when it comes to babies and development, so what it's been shown is from a baby to two years old, that is where the where, where the baby needs to attach to the mom. And, you know, back in the day, studies shared, like showed that dads weren't even needed. And that's not true at all. Thank God dads are so needed. And that's why I'm doing this, this episode too, is to show you how important dads are. Cause a lot of people back in like industrial revolution thought that, oh, dads aren't even really needed for childbearing, childbearing. And that's not true. But the first two years are really important for the mom to attach to the baby and for the baby to attach to mom. And I talked about that in the last episode. And so the dads, here's the interesting thing. The dads, your father's main role during those first two years is to nurture and protect your mom so she can attune to all of your needs. Now, that doesn't mean that the dad can't be around and the dad can't change diapers and your dad can't play with you or anything. It just means because attachment is such a big, big deal that if the, if the father, if your dad is there to be able to get your mom's needs met, then she doesn't have to worry about other things and other stressors. She just gets to be there to attune to your needs and see what it is that you want and attach. So after that, then after the two years, that's when the father's role is more important. And then studies show that the father's role is most important from six to 12 years old, because that is where you as that little boy, little girl, are. you're getting out of the house, you're going to kindergarten, you're going to school, you're out in the real world, you're not so much just at home. And so that's where the dad's role is really important because he is supposed to teach you how to cope in the world and how to relate with others. Let's talk about some traits of a healthy father. So your dad is supposed to completely love and accept you unconditionally. And sometimes a, a lot of, unfortunately, a lot of houses, they, they don't get that. And so another trait is to for him to encourage you to explore and try new things. I mean, usually the masculine role is the one that's more kind of like the risk taking and the one who is trying new things. And so another thing to think about it too, is it's more like the masculine and the feminine role it doesn't necessarily mean like your dad has to always be the masculine and the mom has to be the feminine. It can absolutely switch. So it's just looking at the masculine role is usually more of the risk taker, more of the one to encourage you to explore and try new things. A big one. A healthy dad is someone who is involved in your life. And again, like I said, back in the day, the people thought that the dad didn't even matter for the kids. And that's so not true. And you're going to see throughout this episode how important it is for you to feel like your dad is involved with you. He wants to get to know you. He wants to be there with you. He wants to be involved with you. Another thing is teach you how to navigate in society because that's the dad's role. He's the one that's teaching you how to connect with people, how to communicate with people, which is interesting, right? Because I know like it says that women are better communicators. I mean, some studies show that, but it is interesting that your dad is the one that teaches you how to make friends, how to be in that loving relationship, how to connect with people. And your dad also, a healthy dad, will model attitudes towards success and career. And this, again, I'm saying more like the masculine role. That masculine role is kind of more like the breadwinner or, and I know both moms and dads have jobs now. It's just kind of that masculine role is the one that the kid pays attention to more about success and career. 
And also the, the last thing that I have for an attribute for a healthy father is role model in relationships. Again, like I said, dad is supposed to teach you how to be out in the world, cope with the world. And so he teaches you how to role model healthy relationships. And so it's important to see your relationship with your mom and dad growing up if they had one. If not, that could be a big player if, if you do struggle in relationships. And it's nothing to beat yourself up about. It's just for you to get some clarity around. Okay, so if you are a man watching this, then your father teaches you how to be a man. He is your role model. He's the one that models this is what it looks like to be a man. This is what it looks like to be a father. And if you're a woman watching this, your your dad teaches you how you feel towards men and how you feel about your masculine side. So the way that, as women, the way that we feel towards men has a lot to do with what we saw our dad, what we saw our dad behave as, what we saw our dad do what our dad said it very much plays a big role in who we attract as a partner and also how we feel about our masculine side now let's move on to the three main categories of wounded dads and again like i said this is everyone if they're hurting you they were hurt themselves so the three categories that i was able to kind of put everything in are the absent and distant dad the aggressive, abusive, controlling dad, and the cannot please high expectations dad. So the first one, absent and distance dad. So your dad could be emotionally absent with you, which I think a lot of people have gone through because, you know, it's, it's men were taught to pull up your butt bootstrap, your butt straps, not that. <laughs> men were taught to pull up your, bo- oh my gosh, I can't talk. Men were taught to pull up your bootstraps and just get to work and not worry about your emotions and stuff them down, stuff them down, stuff them down. So a lot of us had dads who were emotionally unavailable because they weren't allowed to express their emotions in the way that they needed to in the way that meant that they could. And so if he doesn't know how to connect with other people, if he doesn't know how to be open and vulnerable, then he's not going to be able to show that with you. And then that could be really hurtful and painful for you. So that's, that's one piece of the absent distant dad. The other piece is just physically absent. Just you've never even met him. Or he is just not around anymore after a divorce. You know, there's sometimes I've had clients where after a divorce, they never see their dad again or they try to. I even had a client who she, her mom had her move like in the same neighborhood, like two blocks down from her dad. So she could actually see her dad and her dad still didn't even make an effort to see her. And that was really painful. And it's, it's been painful for her to go through it and get in touch with her emotions and being sad about it and angry. Angry is a big one where as women, we're taught that it's not okay to be angry. And so we stuff that and we don't let ourselves feel angry. Instead, we feel sad, but we definitely have sad and anger going on at the same time. Same with men, except it's more okay for men to be angry and not be sad, so to speak. So definitely played a big, big role if your dad was absent or distant. And another piece of that too is if your dad is kind of, your dad could be distant. He could be there. He could be there in the house all the time, but he is kind of that shadowy figure that doesn't really say much. He's just exactly that, the shadowy figure. And that can really take a big toll on us too, because we think, wow, what, how am I not good enough that my dad doesn't even want to talk to me, doesn't want to get to know me. Um, and that's the thing. If he, if he's distant with you, then he's distant with other relationships too. He didn't learn how to connect with people. And so he's doing the best he can with the information that he has and he's there, at least he's present, but there isn't that connection at all. 
And so that's that first category of um, absent distant dads. And I will say kind of how I talked about the anger piece is I've had a lot of clients, a lot, a lot, a lot of clients who have said that, oh, they've never even met their dad or they don't even speak to their dad anymore and they don't care. They're over it. They don't care. They have no feelings toward him. And that is not true at all. Your dad is such a big part of you. And as a little kid, maybe you had to push it down to survive and move on with your life. But as a little kid, if your dad was not around, you're making it mean like there's something wrong with you. Because if my dad wasn't around, if my dad didn't want to get to know me, then what's so wrong with me? There's something wrong with me that he doesn't even want to be there for me. And so I'm just going to tell it to you straight. If you're the person where your dad is not in your life, he's still alive, but he's not in your life and you think you're over it and you don't care, I'm sorry. There's a lot of anger in there. And if it's not, if, if you're not aware that there's anger in there, then it's showing up in different ways. It could be showing up as being passive aggressive. It could be showing up as how you're treating your spouse or your kids. It could be showing up in work. It could be showing up in your body. You could have some, some health things going on because I'm telling you, it comes out. If we have anger that we have been repressing, it comes out in some way, whether it's out to other people, whether it's passive aggressive, whether it turns into depression because you're, you turn it into anger at yourself, or it comes out in your body and different health things. So telling you right now, that's the best thing you can do for yourself is be honest that, yeah, it sucks that my dad's not around. That's something that will help you moving on. Next category uh, for wounded dads is the aggressive, abusive, controlling dad. And so this is the dad, and this is, this is how I define it. It's the dad, it's the man who mistakes fear for power. That person, that man thinks that he is showing strength and showing power by being overly controlling, by being aggressive, by being abusive because, and, and this is the one that's interesting too, because on the outside, especially as a little kid, he looks powerful and scary and you don't want to do anything to upset him. But if you see him as an adult, it's like when I, when I hear about that from other clients with their dads, or if I see it out and like, if I'm out in the streets and I see something like this, it's, that guy is usually the most insecure. If he has to use fear to look like power, he is the most insecure. And that's the only thing that he's learned to feel like he's powerful and to feel like he can get his need across. And so that that's the big one is it's the, the man who mistakes fear for power is the, in the category of the aggressive, the abusive and the controlling dad. And so the next category is the cannot please high expectations dad. So this is the dad that no matter what you do, you don't feel like you are ever good enough. You're never going to rise to his expectations. And when you do do something really good, you feel really proud of yourself because you hit a home run or you got an A on a test or different things like that, then he is the one that says, oh, well, you could have done better. Like he, he points out your flaws and it's kind of like if, if you get a B in a class and he says, oh, you should have gotten an A kind of thing where it's like, you're, it's never good enough. And this means that you usually, if you have a dad like this, you, you either go to the extremes. And so you can go to the high achiever constantly, 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 achieving, 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 and pleasing, but never good enough. Like you're, you're not the person that can celebrate. You can't celebrate the good that you've had because he wasn't able to celebrate with you. And so that's kind of the perfectionist type. Or you go to the complete other extreme where you feel that you're not good enough. You're never going to be good enough. Why even try? And then that's when you can call yourself lazy or not good enough, or you, you just don't even 
want to succeed because you think, what's the point? It's never going to happen. And then you're sabotaging yourself because you're here for a reason. There's something that you're really good at, but because you weren't able to get that approval of your dad, that you're not even trying. Most importantly, I want you to know, and I said this in, in my last episode, is every single child needs to know. So when you were a little kid, you needed to know that you matter and that your parents are okay. So if your parents weren't okay for whatever reason, you made it something wrong with you. If you didn't get the love and attention and affection and acceptance that you needed, you made it like there's something wrong with you. And that's what we're going to look at is how this is really sabotaging your life when it comes to relationships and when it comes to money and success. Joanne has a comment. So when I told my dad I was pregnant with a girl, he said, I cannot do anything right. He wanted a grandson. I'm still a bit in shock 12 years later. Wow, Joanne. First of all, that's awful. He thought he could control the the sex of the baby and the fact that he's a grandpa and he can't accept that. I mean, that says a lot about him and probably his insecurities with women. And I wouldn't be surprised if he didn't really know how to handle you growing up if he's not happy that you had a girl and not a grandson because he probably feels comfortable being a man but doesn't know how to handle a woman and he had to handle you learn how to do that and now he's having another um granddaughter so that says and I'm I know you said you're you're still in shock 12 years later and absolutely you should be and just know that this has nothing to do with you it's just him and his insecurities nothing to do with you it's it's all him yeah, Joanne says, isn't it ridiculous? It is ridiculous. It's all about his insecurities. Hurt people hurt people. So whatever the reason is, him wanting to have a son or him wanting to have a grandson is all about him. Is all about it's it's all about him and what he wants, not what you want. And you know, I've worked with a couple of actually more than a couple. I've worked with a lot of clients where they knew that their parents wanted them to be a different sex. And it really took a toll on them because either a lot of times what they did is like, if it's a woman and they know that, that, that their parents wanted a boy, then they will make themselves a tomboy. They will go out of their way to be who their parents want them to be and lose their identity in the process. Joanne says, yes, when my sister was born, he got angry as well. It was not a boy. Exactly. And I bet he was angry that you weren't a boy too, if this is, if this is his pattern. And there is definitely a lesson for him. If he keeps getting all of these girls, it's like someone's telling him, Hey, get over yourself and learn what amazing gift and how you can become such a better person by all of these women in your life. There's a reason it's happening. So it can take a big, big toll on us when we feel like we're not wanted from the very beginning. When we know that our parents told us, we, I wanted a boy, I wanted a girl. And that's the thing. We want to know that we are good enough for our parents. We want to know that our parents are okay and we're going to do everything in our power to get them to love and accept us for us. And if they don't, that's when we can turn into a rebel. Later on in our life, kind of like the tweens or the teen area, that's when we can turn into that rebel because it's like, okay, well, I'm never going to be good enough. So I'm going to do what I want. And that's when we go way extreme because we've tried so much to get our parents to love us for who we are and they don't. And so, okay, I'm out. I'm out. Or the other extreme where it keeps trying, 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 please, please, please. There's something I could do to get them to accept me from me. So I love that you brought that up, Joanne, because that is such a unfortunately common thing that people, the minute they're born, they're already feeling not good enough because of the sex that they are. Um, Kim says, if I recall, the sex comes from the male. <laughs> oh my God, Kim. Perfect. Yes, exactly. <laughs> so he needs to own that he had a lot to do <laughs> with all of these females showing up. And if he was a person who was spiritual in his own little way, then he can learn 
that, oh, something is coming here to teach me something with having all of these different women. Thank you for bringing that up, Kim. Uh, Joanne says, he was fed up with women in his family. That's why he left his town to study on the other end of the country. Wow, 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 wow. So it's all coming out. It's all coming out that he does not know what to do with women. He's very insecure when it comes to the female. And that's when it comes out at the family and at you. And as little as a little girl, you think, oh my gosh, what's wrong with me? Because our brains aren't done developing until we're 25 years old. And so we don't know that it doesn't have anything to do with us. All we know is if our dad doesn't love us the way that we are, there's something wrong with us. And that's not true at all. So thank you so much, Joanne, for bringing that up because that has, it's happened to so many people and so many people don't realize how they had to lose their identity because of that. And it's just, it's not fair and it's not cool. And it's nothing. Here's the thing. If this happened to you, it has nothing to do with you. It's his own insecurity. So let's get into how we sabotage in relationships. And I'm going to start with one of my favorite quotes by Harville, Dr. Harville Hendricks. And if you know me at all, you've heard me say this quote over and over and over and over again, because it is so telling for what is going on. So he says, until you've done the healing of your childhood family dysfunction, you will continually recreate it in your adult life. So think about that one more time. Until you've done the healing of your childhood family dysfunction, you will continually recreate it in your adult life. This is where I'm leading into relationships and how our dad treated us, how our dad showed up in those one of those three categories is exactly how we are showing up in relationships. And so we're going to talk about this. So for women, your dad is supposed to teach you how you feel towards men and how you feel about your masculine side. And so what this brings up is if your dad is a wounded dad in one of those three categories, then you are going to have distrust and negativity towards men. It's a given because if your dad wasn't someone that you trusted, whether you told yourself you trusted him, but if he wasn't there for you, if he was distant, if he was abusive, if he was never there, you don't trust him. Therefore, you don't trust men and you're negative towards them, whether you admit it or not. And here's the thing that shows up is it shows up as two complete extremes. So the first one that we've all heard, the sleeping beauty, right? How Aurora gets put in this spell and she sleeps for 100 years and then the only one who can come save her is this knight in shining armor on this white horse that's going to come and kiss her and take her away from all of the evil and bring her to this fantasy amazing happy life the story that we all have completely heard growing up this is that story that every single woman, well, most every single woman, every little girl is told about this fantasy where you think someone's going to come and take us away from this evil. And what ends up happening is this story teaches us to give up our power to men, that we're not good enough without a man, that we, we have to wait for someone to come and save us. It doesn't necessarily have to be a man. It can be a therapist. It can be, I mean, there's a whole thing of like savior searching, like someone save me from this evil world. And as I'm talking about right now in relationships. And so what happens is you give up your power to men and it's just, oh, this man's going to save me. What this looks like in modern time is this looks like codependency. It looks like love addiction. It looks like growing up and knowing that you can't ask for what you want. And this looks like being the rescuer and putting other people's needs in front of yours because you don't believe that you are good enough and you don't believe that you can help yourself. It's someone else has to come and help you. So and then the other piece of that. So like I said, there's two extremes. So that's one extreme where you're just waiting for someone to save you on that on that shining horse, just out of the way, just take you away. And then there's that Miss Independent, right? Beyonce, that's her song, Miss Independent, where it's, I don't need a man. 
kind of thing. So if you have that distrust and negativity towards men, then you have that I don't need a man concept. And you see men as weak and inferior. And so what that looks like with modern times is you can be controlling. You're the one that wears the pants. You might be single and telling yourself that you're happy with it, or you're not happy being single and you're going on all of these dates, but no one is ever good enough because you can do it all on your own. You don't need a man. You don't need him to be there. You're usually, you're someone who you can't ask for help. You can do it all. You don't need help and you're alone. And so Those are the two extremes that happens when you feel that distrust and negativity towards men where it's you give your complete power over to them or you are so powerful that you don't even need them. Joanne, sounds like me waiting for someone to save me. Yeah, Joanne, that was that was me for a very, very long time. And I I found the right healer, the right person to help me to realize that's what I was doing and I needed to accept myself. And then I can find someone that compliments me, not completes me. Cause you guys might hear me say a lot is, um, is we don't want to get to the place where we're looking for that relationship to complete us because that just means that we're, we're not good enough. We're half good, right? We're 50%. We want to look for someone to compliment us. And in order for us to do that, we have to accept ourselves and love ourselves for who we are. Same with the misindependent though, too. It's, it's that overcompensation where you don't accept and love yourself either because you're having this big facade that you don't need anyone when we absolutely, I don't want to say need, but we absolutely are here to have a partner and to experience that life with someone for men. So Men, what this teaches, so your, your dad is supposed to teach you how to be a man. He's supposed to be that role model. In the extremes, again, you either completely follow in his footsteps and do everything that he did and what, like, I guess is blame everyone else and not take responsibility, or you do the extreme opposite. One example of this is if you had a dad who was never there or who was who is very distant, just wasn't around, then you can become really needy in a relationship. And that's kind of that whole thing where, you know, the nice guys finish last is if your dad was never there, then you become needy. So if you're doing the opposite, then again, here we go. You're giving your power to women. You're that nice guy who it's like, oh, I'm not good enough. I just need to be this nice guy to get this girl to like me, to do everything she wants me to do, be this chameleon, be who she wants me to be. And that's the whole thing of nice guys finish last because it's not, I don't think it's necessarily nice guys finish last. It's inauthentic men finish last. That's what I think it is because you can be an authentic man and nice and a woman would absolutely want to be with you. But if you're trying to be someone that you're not, that's when it becomes inauthentic. And that's when it's that icky, like needy energy women. You all know that we felt that before having that needy man where it's like, whoa, give me some space. And of course, as women, we've done it too. You know, if you fall in that, that, uh, fantasy part of it. So it's either the nice guys finish last is one extreme. And the other extreme is that bad boy, right? And here's the, here's the thing again, the bad boy is also beginning to use fear as power. You're coming across as this, this bad boy that no one can attain, that everyone wants and mysterious, but it's turning into again, using fear as power instead of being completely authentic. And as a man, if you come from a wounded man, that's your role model. And so you don't know how to be a lover. In relationships. Same with women. If you come from a wounded man, you weren't taught how to be a lover in relationships. We were just taught, just like the quote says at the very, very beginning of this, if we didn't get that strong male figure that was vulnerable and open and taught us to be ourselves, then we're either achieving, performing, charming, seducing, competing, pleasing, demanding, negating, or destroying 
to feel recognized. Joanne says, I'd also say that I don't need anyone at times. Yeah, yeah. And that's true. We can kind of go back and forth. We can go from kind of that like needy energy where someone please come and save me. And then it's like, I don't need a man. I don't need that. I don't, you know, and woman too, needy energy with the man. Someone come and save me. Someone find me. Someone figure out who I am. And then I don't need a woman. You know, it's, and that's the thing. It's just, we're compensated. We're putting up our defenses because we're scared to be vulnerable and open because what are people going to do? You know, if, if we didn't have, let's stick with father. If we didn't have a father who's vulnerable and open, then we are scared to be vulnerable and open because if our dad didn't like, so to speak, love us for who we are and embrace us to be vulnerable and open, then why the heck would this person that I'm dating want to stay with me, want to love me for being vulnerable and open. So for an example of that, I have a client right now, which is kind of like that, that bad boy type. And he met the right one. Like he was that guy where all these girls wanted him and he loved the attention, but no one really like kept his attention. And now he met the right one. And he is, is sabotaging big time because it's almost like, oh yeah, I'm at this level. I'm this bad boy. I have all these women after me. Now I have a woman that I want. I don't believe I deserve her. And so I'm going to sabotage. And so he's sabotaging by his anger is showing up right now. I mean, I'm working with him through it. But when we first found each other, his anger was showing up. And it's almost like that unconscious thing where, are you going to love me like this? Like, I'm going to show you my worst side to make sure you're going to love me and you're going to be there for me because my dad didn't. And that's what we can do, too, is we can show our worst sides in relationships either to prove that we're not good enough unconsciously because that's what we thought our whole life growing up with a wounded dad. Or it's to make sure that person really, truly loves us for all of the different sides that we have. One big thing that really can show up in your relationships right now, if you're in one or if you're not in one, what type of relationship did your parents have growing up? And if they were divorced, but they still talked, how did they treat each other? How did they get along with each other? Because this is the only thing you learned about love. This is the only thing that you learned about what a relationship looks like. Because until we're in our probably like tweens or teens area, that's when we go to other people's, our friends' houses and we see their parents. Doesn't mean that we actually see the fights. Doesn't mean that we see what's really going on. But all we see is how our parents interact with each other. And that's what we're taught. Oh, this is what love is. This is what it looks like to be in a relationship. And that can be really, really telling for you to see, oh, okay, my parents argued all the time. And so I argue all the time with my spouse because that's what feels comfortable. That's in my comfort zone. Comfort zone doesn't mean that it's comfortable. Comfort zone means that that's where, that you're used to. It means that you're used to. It doesn't mean that it's comfortable. And sometimes when things are out of our comfort zone that we're not used to, then we're waiting for the other shoe to drop. And so we can create chaos. So that's something to really pay attention to is, what did their relationship look like with my parents? Because that is playing a big, big part in your relationship now or if you're single while you're dating because that's what's going to show up. Just like the quote I said where Harville Hendricks says, until you've done the healing of your childhood family dysfunction, which could be watching your parents' relationship, you will continually recreate it in your adult life, which means he also says that we're the we we find a partner that is... I would say a mix of mom and dad. And usually the things that we love about our partner at the beginning, the things that we are just excited about are the things that can bother us later on once we've been with them for a while. And then they trigger us to bring up our feelings from our childhood over and over and over again until we work through them. Fred says he would hit her when he was angry and he talks to her like crap. I didn't know other people didn't hate their father until I was older and saw my friends actually loved and respected their dad. Exactly. That's exactly what I'm saying. We only see what we were brought up with. So you saw, oh my gosh, this is what a relationship looks like as they yell at each other and they hit each other. And this is just what it looks like. 
And then when you see someone else actually having a loving relationship, it's almost, it takes you back. It's like, wait a minute, why aren't they arguing? Why aren't they fighting? What's going on here? And then that's when our brain starts going. It's like, wait, what, what's right here? What's going on? And if we're not able, if, if we don't do work around this, I'm telling you, you're going to create the same thing in your relationship. Here's the other piece of it though, too. If you grow up in a relationship where every, like your parents were fighting all the time, you can still be recreating that even if you don't fight at all with your partner because you're so scared to start fighting, to bring up that chaos that you're pushing everything down. And that's what I said at the beginning of this episode is if you're pushing it down, it's going to come out somewhere. And so, you know, a healthy relationship, you, you discuss things, you have healthy arguments, you, the, it, you know, when I, when I have clients where they're like, oh yeah, my parents never fought I'm like, oh, okay. Never fought that you saw, or they were just like seething inside because that's human nature. We have disagreements and for you to mold your whole life with someone else's life, there's not going to be everything's all cookie cutter. So it's good that you brought that up. Um, Vered says it's uncomfortably comfortable. Ex- exactly. Uncomfortably comfortable. I love that. That's exactly how it is. Joanne, my parents got stuck together. It was not a choice. My marriage is the same, just stuck, working to get unstuck at the moment. Yeah. So I, I guess, Joanne, no, whatever your parents did, they were stuck together. You saw that. And so maybe unconsciously you thought, oh, this is what it looks like with the relationship. And that's why you feel stuck with yours. So, oh, Joanne, they wanted to split and my mother found out she was pregnant with me. Oh, okay. So that's, well, okay. Let's talk about that. Cause that's the whole like stuck piece. Now that's probably something that you took on as a little kid, whether you knew it or not, maybe you found out later, but the fact that your parents are stuck together because they were, she was pregnant with you. You grew up in this world thinking, oh, could have, I'm not, I'm not putting anything in your, in your mind, but this is what my thought thinks is, uh, or my perception is, is it's, you came into this world beating yourself up because your parents had to stay together because of you. So you're the reason why your parents stayed together. You're the reason why your parents aren't happy. That is something that we can take on as children. I'm not saying that you did. I'm just saying I wouldn't be surprised if that happens because if we know that our parents are only together because of us and they're not happy, then we make it mean that there's something wrong with us. Since we're talking about relationships, I want to go a little deeper and I, you guys all know me. I went off in the mother episode and I'm going to go off a little bit more too, because I think it's really important for people to understand the term surrogate spouse. And in that last episode with mom, I talked about how you could be the surrogate spouse for your mom. Now I'm going to talk about how you could be the surrogate spouse for your dad. And the best way to think about it, if you're unfamiliar with the term is when it comes to father is daddy's little princess. And I hate, I used to like that term. I used to think it was really cute. And now I hate it knowing what surrogate spouse means. And so surrogate spouse means if your dad was not getting his needs met by his spouse, then what he can do is he can look at you as the kid to get his needs met. And it is not okay. Kids need to grow up and they need to be able to play. They need to not be able to take on adult conversations because they're, they're developmentally learning what they need to learn. So, so one of the ways that it can look, there's, there's many different ways of surrogate spouse. I'm not going to get into all of them because you guys know me. I will go off on this topic, but so your dad could have complained to you about your mom or about their spouse or who they're dating. They could complain to you about adult issues And what that does is in the moment, it probably feels good because it's, oh, dad's coming to me. I'm going to be his hero. I'm going to, I'm going to show him that I'm here for him. What it does is it sets you up to take care of your dad's relationship needs. Now you're no longer thinking about you and your needs. You're thinking about your dad's relationship needs and you can become his therapist. And 
if, if you're a female, if you're a man and your dad is coming to you complaining about mom or complaining about the woman or person, man, you know, whoever, whoever your dad is dating, then he can set you up to belittle women. And he's teaching you how to treat women by what he's telling you about how he feels towards women. And so this is where you're not getting a say in the matter. You're having to take care of your dad's relationship needs. A different piece of this, I'm not going to go too much into this, but this is where your dad can, can molest you, can, can sexually go towards you. And he doesn't even necessarily have to actually sexually molest you. He can do it with his eyes. He can do it with his energy. And that's the most confusing piece of it is if someone knows that they weren't molested like that, but they still feel this weird energy, it could be just feeling the energy of that. And it's very convoluted. I'm not going to go deep into it, but this happens so much more in families than people know. And until you're aware of it, you're not going to be able to change it. And so just know that if you were a woman or a man and because we're speaking with dad right now, and if dad treated you like his surrogate spouse, there's some things that are showing up and they're absolutely going to show up in your relationship because unconsciously you are still there to take care of your dad's needs. You can't necessarily move all of, you can't be there for your spouse's needs because your attention is on your dad's needs. Again, it's really weird. It's unconscious. It's not something that we just like click and get it, but it is something that absolutely can happen. And it does play and it does play an issue in relationships. And, you know, you could be putting your dad first. You could be, if, if you're in a relationship with someone, you could want to know what your dad thinks about it before your husband or your spouse or your wife. And so it can just be, it, it's parents are supposed to really just teach you how to uh, like separate. They, they teach you how to be dependent on them to learn how to go through the world. And then they're supposed to teach you how to separate. So I get really, really passionate about this topic because too many times it happens and too many times people don't know about it. And I have so many clients that have gone through this and they didn't realize it until they met with me and saw it. And then they realize all of these emotions that they have. And then, and then of course they get better because they're aware of it and they can change it. But this could be unconsciously what is playing in your relationships. And here's the other piece of it too. If you're, if, if you're the chosen one of your dad's for whatever reason, you're his surrogate spouse and you get a target on your back. If you have siblings, you get a target on your back. Your siblings could really lash out at you. They could hate you. They could be mean to you. They could, um, play victim with you. There's many different ways that it happens or your mom your mom can hate you. Your mom can be critical of you because she senses that you're getting the attention of dad and she's jealous and she doesn't understand. And instead of being able to healthy, healthily talk to her spouse about it, she can take it out on you. Just like your dad can throw his needs on you. Your mom can take out her, her, her feelings on you. So these are just things just to pay attention to. I'm not saying they happen to you. It's just something that happens a lot that people don't talk about. And I think it's really important to know that this does happen. And I do have uh, a story I want to tell just to kind of give you a little bit of uh, insight on this. I had a client who her dad was her her best friend in a, in a healthy way. They really got along well. He was there for her. He was great with her. The minute she hit puberty, the minute she grew breasts, her dad ignored her. Her dad made her, completely ignored her, didn't give her the time of day, was just so harsh to her. And she had no idea what was going on. So then she thought that there was something wrong with her and she couldn't feel completely comfortable being a woman because right when she hit puberty, that's when her dad rejected her. And so it played out in her life and her relationships. And so I'm just letting you know the different things that can happen and how surrogate spouse is so important to understand, especially if you're a parent or you're going to be a parent. 
It's just really, really important to know that you get your adult needs met with other adults and your kids get to play and they get to learn in the developmentally way that they're supposed to. So that's just my like big piece on that. Oh, Joanne. Yep, exactly. My mother was jealous of my attachment to my dad. Exactly. And so you're this little girl. You don't understand what's going on. You're just like, why is my mom jealous? I don't understand. So yeah, and it can, it can just be really, really, really confusing. So that's just something to pay attention to. Okay. So I've been going a long time, so I'm going to kind of like zip through this now. So now with money and success, if you have that dad that has those high expectations of you, then you're going to keep achieving, you're going to keep performing, you're going to keep competing, and you're still not going to get the approval and the recognition and the love that you want for your dad. And so what happens is you end up being completely stressed out and what it does is it affects your health. And so then you give up and you fall into the victim mentality where you feel like you can't do anything. You're not good enough. And that's what I talked about earlier. It's kind of that perfectionist. You're, you can't do anything right. You're not good enough, but you're going to keep achieving, achieving, achieving. And hopefully someday he's going to notice you, whether you know it or not. And I've even had clients where their dad doesn't even, he's not even around anymore. He doesn't, he's passed. He's, he's dead. He doesn't even live anymore. And they still unconsciously are doing things to get the approval from their dad. They didn't realize it until they talked with me, but that's what, what can be going on is it still plays a huge toll with us. So that's the one piece of the high expectations. Now, if you have the dad, um, who you could be too good for, this is outdoing. This is what I talked in one of the first episodes. And this is where you don't want to hurt your dad by making more money than him or being more successful than him because you still, that's what we need as kids. We need that approval. We need that recognition. And so if you felt that you were going to hurt your, your dad in any way, then you sabotage your success and your money because you don't want to hurt him. And it's very interesting. I have a client right now where she got a car and she got a promotion at her job and her dad said, Oh, that must be nice. And she felt awful and she felt guilty. And so here she is wanting to celebrate and feel how good she is. And instead now she has to feel guilty because she's doing better than her dad. And she's the one where her dad is deceased. And yet she still is starting to come into like some large sum of money or she's supposed to get this promotion. And then it, and it, it goes away and what we realize is she still is unconsciously trying to get the approval of her dad. And so she's sabotaging her success. Really, really interesting how we do that. So if that's something that you resonate with, this is how you can see, oh, okay, am I doing this for approval for someone else? Because if I am, I don't want to do that anymore. It's not helping me. It's sabotaging me. And I also have um, another client who... Her father completely valued money. And so she started a business and she hated it. She was making money, but she hated it. And she didn't realize. She's like, why? I have all this money. I'm making money. My dad still isn't paying attention to me. What am I doing with my life? And well, the problem is, is she thought by having money, she was going to get attention from her dad. She realized it's not working. Working with me helped her realize that she can go do what she wants to do and be happy. And it doesn't matter whether she's going to get that approval or not. And then I have one more um, male client who had that, that dad who was high expectations. Like he got a home run as a little kid and his dad pointed out, Oh, you could have done this better. And so his whole entire career, he's just achieving, 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 but not celebrating his successes. And then he's, when he found me, he was sabotaging and he didn't know why. And we realized it's because he felt like he could never be good enough and so even though he was out there achieving, it was never good enough. And so I helped him learn how to celebrate. And now he's doing freaking amazing. I have a question. Question from Joanne. What about not achieving anything? Still a burden to parents and being rescued financially by them. Yeah. Yeah. So here's the thing. If Okay. So a burden to parents and being rescued financially by them. So here's... Here's the thing that I'm going to say with that is they're still wanting to keep you that little girl. 
They're using you to make you feel bad because you're the burden of them and that you need them to be financially rescued. So they are enabling you and criticizing you at the same way. So they're not empowering you at all. And that's what I would say is to start that, especially if, you, if you're that emotionally connected with your parents, to start that is, is start doing something that you do feel empowered in. Like spend your own money or do something where you can make your own money or do something where you don't feel like you're a burden and prove to yourself that you can do it and you don't need to rely. Maybe to begin with, because it's been happening, but do little things to start to get to prove to yourself that you don't have to rely on that. Um, for red. Yeah. I actually experienced a mixture of all of what you spoke about. Yeah. And Brad says also my dad would have had high expectations that were high, but he was full of it because he himself didn't live up to what he was expecting of me. It was like trying to fill a black hole. Exactly. That's the other thing. If, if our parents aren't taking responsibility, then they can put it on us. So even though he had these high expectations, he, that's, that's the hypocritical, right? Like do what I say, not as I do kind of thing. And as kids, yeah, maybe we'll fall for it. But as we get older, it's like, wait a minute, you're being hypocritical. What? And that's just another, a wounded dad. That's just someone who's insecure and is almost like trying to live his life through you. Okay. So what can you do? Let's go through the six tips of what you can do if you resonate with any of these of having a wounded dad like this. So the first one is to accept emotions. I talked about this earlier in society, men, it's being taught that it's okay to be angry, but here's the thing. It's being taught that it's okay to be angry in a non-healthy way and in a rageful way. And for women, it's taught that it's okay for you to cry. Now it's never very rarely taught that it's okay for women to have angry, angry for women to have anger and it's okay for men to cry. And if we switch that, that's going to help us so much. And for men, it's okay. Like if you, if you need to watch a really sad movie and let yourself have those feelings, let them come out. That's what makes you strong. I know you know, men are taught that you're strong if you pull up your bootstraps and if you don't cry and you don't show that emotional side. Actually, you're more strong if you are able to show that emotional side because that shows that vulnerability. It shows that you can handle all that life throws at you and not have to put on some fake facade. Now, women, when it comes to getting angry, and this is something I work on with a lot of women because we don't realize how much anger is pent up and how much anger is stored in our body because it's really easy for us to cry about it and feel hurt about it and go into that rescuer victim role. But there's so much anger there. And so the way that I would say is what you can do when it comes to your anger is in a very healthy way, you can go get a plastic, I said plastic, plastic bat and, and take it to your bed, take it to a pillow, hit the pillow, get that energy out of your body. Because if you're feeling anger and you don't express it in a healthy way, mind you, then it's going to come out passive aggressive. It's going to come out in the road. It's going to come out at someone that doesn't deserve it. And it's going to be turned on in yourself and you're going to be depressed and you're going to feel bad about yourself. So you can get a bat. You can do that. Uh, you can scream in your car. That's a good one. I just had to do that a couple days ago. And so just get it out of your body because you're going to feel so much better. So men, let yourself cry. Women, let yourself get angry in a healthy way. So the next one is I want you to identify how you are behaving exactly as your dad and change it. Or I want you to identify how you are behaving the complete opposite of your dad and change it. Because if you haven't done real deep inner growth work on your wounds from your dad, again, like I said, it's going to show up in the extreme. It's going to be the extreme where it's exactly like him, or it's going to be the extreme where it's exactly opposite of him. Doesn't mean they're both right. Well, I don't even like the word right, but doesn't mean they're both okay. It's, it's how do you balance it? How do you take the good from both sides and kind of balance it. There's, 
there's good to be a little bit more, um, instead of aggressive, it's good to be assertive, but it's also good to be vulnerable. So how can you do both? That's what I want you to look at is how can you kind of marry the two and take the good of both of it and ask yourself, what difference would it have made in your life if your dad actually saw you, if your dad actually heard you, how would that have changed? How would that have made a difference in your life? And now, how can you do that for your spouse if you're in a relationship? Or how can you do that for your children? And most importantly, how can you do that for yourself? Next, three, what does love mean to you? I want you to look at your relationship that you saw growing up of your parents. I want you to see what you saw from your parents and see how that's playing out in your life now. What does love mean to you? What does it look like to you? And how is that showing up? Because once you're aware of what it looks like, and I don't want you to just see the ideal, oh yeah, love is supposed to be like, no. I want you to look at your past relationships. Even if you're not in a relationship right now, look at your behavior from your past relationships and see if you can identify it with what it looked like with your parents' relationship or the the relationships around you when you were growing up. Next, here's the big one, big, big, big one. And you guys know me, I talk about this a lot. Fill your feelings first, then forgive. So after you as men, let yourself cry. Women, after you let yourself get angry, then you can forgive. Stop forgiving people before We get in touch with our feelings about what happened to us. It's not going to work. And that's why you're going to be in therapy or talking to someone over and over and over again and be like, I thought I worked on this. Well, the reason why you thought you worked on it and it keeps showing up is because you didn't honor the feelings that you went through in that moment. So let yourself have those emotions. Then you can forgive. And as you're forgiving, know that your dad is in pain. That's why I say it's wounded dad because hurt people hurt people and know Like your dad is in pain and whether he has so much pride pride and he will never admit it, as long as you know that's his own pain and I don't have to carry it, then that's that's what you can forgive. The fifth one, find the gift in it. So this one is really empowering. It's not the easiest thing to do, but it's absolutely empowering. And this is where you look at how you are the person you are today because of what happened. Even if you went through some trauma and some abuse, you are the person you are today because it happened. And again, it's not the easiest thing to do, but I'm telling you, if you can kind of see how, for example, how going through abuse made you become a strong person who has strong boundaries, there's things that you can look at that happened to you of how you are acting today that you are thankful for, because that's how we're going to change things. We can't go into the past. I mean, if you go in, if you have a session with me, we'll go into the past clear and you never have to go back there again. But the thing is, we can't change the past. And so once you look at, okay, this is what happened to me. This is what I learned from it. And this is who I am today because of it. And this is what I'm thankful for. Things are going to change so much for you. And the last one, the most important one, because like I said, your dad is supposed to teach you connection. Your dad is supposed to teach you how to relate in the world. And so connect with people. If you didn't get that connection from your dad, connect with people. This is going to change your life. Go out and meet new people. Call up friends. Go meet up your meet up with your friends. As much as you can, if you have someone that you feel comfortable with, share openly. As long as it's a safe person, share vulnerably because this is how we get better is we share about our pain and we let it out and we are vulnerable and we share because then we don't have to hold it in and then it doesn't show up in our health and then it doesn't come out to people who didn't expect, like didn't deserve it. And with that, ask for what you need, ask for what you want, ask for help. We can't do this alone. We need other people to figure out who we are and to create this world that we want. So Ask for what you need, ask for what you want, and ask for help. In closing, now that you have more awareness 
of your father wounds. Are you going to choose to achieve, perform, charm, seduce, compete, please, demand, negate, or destroy to feel recognized? Or are you now willing to be yourself and express your heart? The choice is yours. Thank you guys. Have a great rest of your day and go cry or go get angry in a healthy way. All right. Bye. Thank you so much for listening today. And I hope that you were able to shatter some of those BS beliefs. Please share this podcast with anyone that you think it will resonate with and leave me a comment or send me a voice message so I can have a Q&A with your questions. And if for some reason you still have those pesky BS beliefs, go to nobstherapy.com and send me a message. I love helping people get to the root cause of their BS beliefs so you no longer have to have them anymore. And you can go on being the empowering person with the amazing life that you were meant to have. See you next time.